Hey, Rowdy Crew, welcome back to the Rowdy Podcast. I am your host, Rowdy. So today I want to just talk a little bit about the interaction that I had in Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. Um, I'm, I'm going to be releasing a video. These two will come out at the same time, but I just wanted to do a quick episode kind of covering that topic. Also, we'll get into some fun comments again and, and kind of unpack some of those and maybe some misunderstandings around being a First Amendment auditor um, and and then comparisons between auditors, because I think a lot of people want to assume that we're all the same and we're not. Um, so stick around. All right. Welcome back, guys. Hey, I appreciate you coming uh, coming back to this podcast. I know there's been people that have started to listen. And, and though it's not many, it's really important to me um, and one of the reasons why I do this. And I'm hoping to obviously have some people on here, um, some other auditors that are on here, uh, maybe do a Zoom call or something uh, to kind of start to, to diversify the content so it's not just me giving my opinion, but to have some viewers on and to also have um, – a bunch of different auditors on here because I think that's super important. Um, so again, I just want to cover kind of the the video that's coming out um, on the Invergrove Heights Police Department uh, where I did a First Amendment audit uh, two days ago now, I guess. So, um, you know, this one was interesting because I wasn't really sure just like every time you go out as an auditor, you're not really sure what's going to happen, what the reception will be. Um, you know, will you be greeted with, uh, you know, positivity? Will you be arrested um, because somebody doesn't understand the law, uh, et cetera? So, um, you know, I, I first got there, and this is, a, by the way, this is the second time I've been to Invergrove Heights uh, Police Department. I was there once prior to the George Floyd murder, um, and I, uh, obviously decided to go back just to see kind of the, if there's anything that's been changed since, um, you know, kind of the civil unrest and the murder itself and, uh, et cetera. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I was, I was obviously pretty pleased in the end state, but, you know, first, uh, I, I made contact with officer Benning or rather he made contact with me, uh, in the parking lot behind the police station, uh, where, uh, the, the squads are usually parked there's garage doors and, and stuff like that. Um, and so Officer Benning came up. He said, do you need anything? I said, no. I asked him for his name and badge number. He told me his name. I made some small talk about, oh, I was stationed at Fort Benning, and that's an awesome name. And one, one about my uh, one about my, my audit. Um, checked out a bunch of, uh, of uh, you know, undercover vehicles um, that do have lights and stuff like that. Then I walked back into the uh, into the other parking lot and there was a personal vehicle there of an officer and I was looking at the you know just looking in the window and noticed that there was a, a Corona bottle cap that was in the center console and there was a cooler uh, in the passenger on the passenger floorboard. So Kind of doing what I think any anyone would do if they were law enforcement or you know kind of concerned. These are the normal questions that you would be asked um, if if you were pulled over. I simply asked. Uh, well, actually, let me let me back up for just one second. I did I did kind of move further back in the vehicle, meaning uh, you know I walked from the passenger window uh, on the front hand side to the passenger rear window, and I noticed that there was a yellow parka. Um, 
and it just happened to be tilted the right way where I could see that it said Benning and then 3932, which is Officer Banks' badge number. We had just gotten the information previously. So at that point, I knew it was that officer's car. He was still sitting in his squad. Uh, and so that's when I decided, okay, well, let's ask the same questions that we, the public, would be asked. And and though I've never been charged with a DUI, um, I have. It's not that it's not for lack of an of an officer trying or a trooper trying, I should say. So, um, you know, to me, I think that there's a reasonable. It's reasonable for for any human to ask those questions. Um, and so, so I simply asked, you know, based off the information that that I saw or or you know received by looking at the vehicle or looking through the window, um, I kind of got the impression that there was maybe some alcohol in that vehicle, and there was a chance that there's an open container because you have the cooler and you have the bottle cap. Um, so I just I just asked him, um, you know, obviously he didn't want me to look through his vehicle, which is his right. Um, and, and that's okay. Uh, he did offer to, to call a sergeant and to do a PBT test, a uh, breathalyzer. So, you know, in that moment, I was kind of sitting there just wondering, well, what is, you know, what is too far? You know, what is the right play here? You know, because I, I have friends that are in law enforcement and I've explained to them what I do and why I do it. You know, I'm not a police officer hater. I, I, I think everyone has the right and should hate bad police. Um, you know, bad police officers, bad troopers, bad law enforcement. Um, it's important to to despise that because it brings discredit upon the profession. Um, and and so I want to encourage good police work, and I want to discourage bad police work. Uh, and a lot of times that comes through viewers and listeners, you know, commenting and and, and saying things uh, to those departments and showing them the video so that everyone in their community can see it as well as their leadership team. Uh, again, I'm, I've only been doing this for two months, so I'm, it's not like, you know, I'm an expert. I, I have so much to learn and so much more to to figure out within, you know, the First Amendment auditing world. And also, you know, when COVID kind of fully releases its grasp on the nation, yeah. You know, pr primarily just the government side of things. Uh, then I can kind of get more into the lawmaker side of things. Uh, you know, kind of go after the elected officials because that's I think important too is to just kind of test them and, and do some interviews with them. Um, so, anyways, uh, you know, I kind of was faced with that that what I would call a moral dilemma. You know, um, so I said, go ahead, yeah, let's let's call the sergeant down. So the sergeant came down. I showed the sergeant specifically what I was talking about, and I asked him, you know, hey, let's let's clear this up. <clears throat> let's go ahead and and take a look at this and and just get it cleared up for the community to be able to see that you take it seriously. And of course, he said, well, I do take it seriously, but you know, I'm go inside and we'll address this. And the, the reason that that I don't like that answer is twofold. Number one, the public does not get afforded that opportunity. Right. Um, it was basically like, hey, the guy's finishing up his paperwork and we'll go inside and I'll deal with this. And while I understand what he's trying to do, that is not the correct answer. Um, if you treat law enforcement uh, when they've potentially broken the law, just like a person uh, that you would find out in the streets, any civilian, then I think, you know, you can say that you are honest and you have integrity and you're not trying to hide anything. What happens is 
if you say that and the public sees it, uh, when you say things like, well, we'll go inside and we'll deal with it, you know, I'll, I'll deal with this as I see fit. Um, now you leave the public to make that decision. Um, you know, and, and yeah, I'm fine with doing follow-ons, uh, you know, follow-ups, but, um, that, that is one of those things where if I had put that out, right. So either a, I have to sit on the, on the call, excuse me, sit on the video and wait for a phone call or B, I have to uh, release the video. And then everyone's kind of, you know, that video could end up with a hundred thousand views. And then the follow-up video where we find out that officer Benning was not intoxicated, had zero alcohol in his system. Um, you know, that, that video may get 2000 views. So now that the, the 98,000 people that watched the first video are left with the impression that the sergeant has, has basically kind of just blown it off or let his officer get away with it. And they've made up their mind. Um, and in today's society, it is important that, that, you know, when we talk about equality, everyone's talking about equality skin-wise and things like that. You know, I think the important thing to focus on with law enforcement is the equality between citizens versus the law enforcement professionals. I mean, that is where equality matters. You know, we can say that there's racism, there's this, there's that. You know, and to be honest with you, and, and some people disagree with me, but if, if you look at it the way that I look at it, I don't care what you believe in your personal life. So long as you're following the law, laws cover most of these topics, these issues, these things. So if we enforce the law as well on police officers, the way that we do citizens, then you have equality. It is when the, the people that are policing the community are held to a different standard and it's an easier standard that the community starts to push back on that. And that's what you're seeing right now. Now, I am a huge fan of holding law enforcement to a different standard than citizens and civilians. And I think that the way you do that is by saying, okay, well, if you're an, a law enforcement professional and you break the law, well, you're going to, you're going to, it's going to cost you more than it would a civilian because you of all people should know better. And we are expecting more. We've given you a firearm We've given you, you know, uh, tax dollars by the from the community um, to pay your salary. You know, we're 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 investing in your training. We're investing in everything that you use within the department, and then on top of that, we're expecting you to go out and uh, and police the community and do the right thing. And if you, in turn, break the law, then you know, unfortunately, you are going to have to go to jail for even longer. So if Let's say normally somebody would get five years, you should get 10. You know, um, <clears throat> that's that's my opinion. But that, that to me is equality. So anyways, um, you know, if you want true equality, I think things like doing, doing a field sobriety test like you would do with anyone else to include myself right there on the spot <clears throat> is is the, the best option. You know, uh, and that's the treatment that we as citizens receive in that community, I'm sure almost on a daily basis um, in any scenario where, where they can unpack uh, some sort of reasonable articulable suspicion of, of alcohol intoxication. Um, you know, the Sergeant said to me that the, that the cap and the cooler 
wasn't enough for him to get probable cause on a civilian vehicle. Whether he meant that, whether that's true, I don't know. But I do know this. You know, law enforcement's job is to ask questions and to to see what the responses are. And if they can do things like search a vehicle, if they can if they can ask the questions and try to put it in a light in order to to get the outcome that they want, they will. And so while he may not have had probable cause, it does not mean that he wouldn't have asked the same exact questions that I asked. Hey, I see this. I see that. I know this is your vehicle. And I'm just kind of concerned about these things. Um, do you mind if I take a look in your vehicle? Now, yes, we as citizens have the right to say no. And supposedly by what he said, he would accept that as, as part of the First Amendment. Is that true? We don't know. I, I can't, I'm not going to speculate on that. What I would say is, and, and, and you know, at the end of the day, now, there's got to be a court decision ultimately. Um, you know, he's not the judge and jury. He's just the, the person that would decide to we charge them or not along with the, the city attorney. So he would arrest city attorney would decide, Oh, this is where you should throw this out. Cause you screwed up. Um, I don't know how that process would have gone in that specific scenario, but I think it was reasonable questions that I was asking. And I think it was ones that, that law enforcement would ask themselves. Um, and so, uh, you know, from there, um, and after that conversation, I was ready to walk away and I was kind of like, well, man, this is, I don't even know if I should publish the video because there's, there's going to be some backlash and, uh, and there should be in a certain aspect. Right. But, you know, morally speaking, you know, officer Benning, it, it doesn't mean that he had been drinking that day. It doesn't mean that, but there's going to be people that make that assumption and they have the right because there was a lack of information from the police department and a lack of action from the police department that was chosen. And with that comes some consequences. But luckily for us, uh, Officer Benning decided to you know, set the standard for even his own department to follow. And so he had pulled out his, his PBT, his breathalyzer. And had it ready to go. And when I was turning around walking away and I, you know, found out that, okay, well, I'll have to call later. It was basically what I was told. And I tried to push it a couple different times in a couple different ways. But um, Officer Benning is the one that, that pushed it ultimately uh, to where we then had that breathalyzer done. Um, and that's because he was willing to do it. And to me, that was, that was the right move. Um, because it doesn't leave anyone to make up their own mind about what happened. It doesn't, um, it tells me that there's, there's, a, there's a, a good chance that maybe the guy had a bottle cap in his pocket, but you know, we've all been there, we've all done that. It happens. Um, that's not to say that you wouldn't be asked about it. It's just to say that there's, there's a reasonable explanation for, for officer Benning's situation. And so, you know, looking at that, <clears throat> I think it's really important to just to just say, okay, that was a good move by Officer Benning. And I think hopefully, um, you know, the sergeant learned a lesson from that. So then then Officer Benning just proceeds to kind of break down what happens with the PVT. I think and that was just to show transparency and, hey, this is how it's supposed to work. This is what it's supposed to do, et cetera. And then he kind of looked at me as if, like, do you want to hold it? And I was like, 
no, I don't care who holds it. I mean, at this point, we're we're very impromptu. If you want to, if you want to uh, trip the system and and fake it or or whatever, I mean, I don't think it's that easy to do. Um, but he did have some time alone, but I don't think he did. Um, and I say that because though the camera can only show one direction, my my head is on a neck, so I can turn. Um, and I could see him a lot of the time during during my conversation with uh, with the sergeant. So, um, you know, just just having that conversation, his his willingness to just explain what's supposed to happen, how it's supposed to work, et cetera, and then taking the test and again showing the results. Um, it, it was it was good to me. And then at that point, I said, okay, well, here's what I do, here's why I do what I do, et cetera. And we kind of unpacked that, and it, and it went really well. Um, and I think they were surprised as well. And so hopefully they will also be surprised that I am indeed going to release the video, and I am indeed going to say positive things. I did give the sergeant some um, some just improves, right? And, and that's kind of the thing we've already talked about in this episode and in the video. Um, what I would what I would love is for the listeners and viewers to, you know, go go to their Facebook page or call the department and tell them how much you appreciate a good officer like officer Benning, who's willing to actually set the example because most cops would just say F you. I don't care. I'm not taking it. I'm going to do what my sergeant said. I'm going to go inside. I'll have a conversation. I'll brush this off and we'll move on. And that is not the choice. And I say it's a choice. That's not the choice that officer Benning made. Even when his sergeant gave him that out, that's not the choice that Officer Benning took. The easy wrong over the hard right, right? So I was impressed, and I think a lot of people, you know, and I always make this comment, you know, you've got to be willing to praise good officers as much as you're willing to shame bad officers, right? Encourage and discourage, right? So let's encourage Officer Benning and, you know, I think let's focus on that. I'm going to, I'm still going to follow up regarding some of the other stuff you know, that I think needs to be changed. And in terms of that, um, maybe down the road that can be addressed. We'll never know. But I think it's just important for us to acknowledge good police uh, interactions or, or good outcomes, so to speak, when they present themselves. So you know, that, that's kind of the, that's all I got on that topic for now. Let Watch the video and let me know what you think. And also, if you know any auditors that want to do this podcast, let me know. So we are going to move over to fun comments. Um, so I've tried to remember to take pictures so that I can, you know, share this with you guys. But one was, uh, uh, one person said, Dave Jordan said, stop forcing ads on us. I said, um... If I check the box, uh, it decides how many ads to play. Also, are you going to pay for my gas, the camera, equipment, and my time? Um, and, and so my my specific point to that, guys, is there is an ad in this you know episode as well. Uh, it costs me money and time to to do all these things. Yes, it's a passion of mine. Um, there is no I'm not, I'm not I don't hide anything, right? I get paid to do this. Um, I very much so do. I think it's an important thing. Um, I think it's an interesting uh, topic. I think it's one that too many people have let slide for too long. Uh, and I don't think it's wrong to 
to be able to cover expenses, to make money for my time and to do something that you love and are passionate about. And the only expense that comes is, you know, you have to listen to a commercial for a couple seconds. Um, and so I do appreciate those who, who, who pay attention, listen, and then uh, don't mind the commercials. I really do appreciate that because uh, you guys are what supports this and makes this possible. Um, another person, Terry Hebel, H-E-B-E-L, said, you talk too much. True a silent audit. I think he meant do a silent audit. Um, so no, I, I'm not going to. Here's the thing. Every auditor, and I, was, I said at the beginning we were going to talk about this, every auditor is different. You know, I do talk about professionalism. I think there is a way to do those things. Um, but every auditor is different, and I think every one of those audits gives us a different example of what could happen. You know, I could go into the same place that another auditor went at, and, you know, I could have a professional interaction, and the officer could do nothing. Another auditor could go in there and push the limits and push the buttons, and they could get a reaction that, you know, we didn't know was exist that, that was possible or existed, um, you know, he could also catch the officer on a bad day. There's a lot of different things that come from that. There is people that will go in there and do a silent audit and not say anything. Okay, great. Great. I want to see reaction. I want to see what happens with all of those, right? You know, it, it's, you don't just test one thing and then call it good. Um, you got to check with a couple different ways. Okay. So I do it my way and others will do it their way. So another person uh, Dan, uh, Dance and Crow. He said, I'm sorry, but you're just an antagonist. No normal person would stick their camera against the windows of a police patrol car unless they're looking for a reaction, which is obviously not going to be a positive one. I appreciate that you didn't mouth off to the officer, but, or excuse me, I appreciate that you didn't mouth off to the officer like 99% of other frauditors, but in general, you're just the same as the rest of them an annoying twat that should really grow up and find something more positive to do. Calling yourself an investigative journalist is a joke. There is no story, air quotes, uh, you're, you're working on other than filming in space or filling in space on YouTube. You're probably a supporter of the biggest twat of all who's currently in the White House. Wow, I think that name has to change now. Maybe it's the neutral house. That'll take effect after they drag the racist dipshit or dipstick out of out by his heels. All right, so two things, uh, Dance and Crow, you're 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 a moron, um, and you're silly. Okay. In my experience, and I I've, I've worked private security for very large New York-based uh, news organizations. Very recently, like within the last couple of weeks. Um, I know what they do. I know the conversations they have. I know how it works. I, I understand journalism. Um, so with a camera, checking out, you know, an investigative journalist, I've seen them do it. They've literally done it with it where they go to police departments to try and get a complaint form because they heard that there was a problem receiving them. And the uh, correspondent slash reporter end up exposing that problem. He wore a, an undercover camera, et cetera, and then he exposed it, and he talked about it. Then he talked about the reactions afterwards and the conversations that they had after the fact. That is literally what I do, and that person gets paid to do it. I get paid to do it. I, I don't know. Yes, mine's on YouTube, but if you don't notice, uh, all major news corporations also put their stuff on, uh, on YouTube. So I'm literally doing the same exact thing. 
I just don't have a, a large, you know, channel. Okay. Well, so that settles that one. I guess that was that was a dumb one to me. That was silly. And then you don't know who I vote for or what I believe in. You just know that I believe in the Constitution. Um, so, okay. All right. And then let's see what other ones we got here. R. Crew says, you're really acting with this. You're really acting immature with this video. What is the purpose other than to show your immaturity? Uh, and I literally just put a fit like a plain face on there. Like, what? I mean, I think the purpose is pretty clear. Um, all you auditors are losers. Keith Tower. I said, thanks, Karen. I mean, Keith. Um, yeah. So what other ones? Oh, Terry Brown said, 37 minutes of my life wasted. I will never get back. And I said, yes, but for only 17 cents a day, you have helped an African boy accomplish good goals. Unfortunately, we are all out of free gifts at this time. Uh, someone else said, you talk too much. And I said, says the random person who commented on my video. Because um, that's always a funny one to me. So anyways, those are some comments. Those are the topics for today. If you got any questions, got any comments, or anything like that, go check out the YouTube video. Um, and check out the podcast, uh, other episodes. Um, you can find the YouTube channel. Uh, it's Rowdy Podcast, just Rowdy Podcast. If you want to be on the show or know an auditor who wants to be on the show, uh, then just email me at the Rowdy Podcast. Rowdy is spelled R O W D Y, the Rowdy Podcast at gmail.com. And I appreciate your time. As always, stay rowdy. Don't ever forget your constitutional rights. And God bless you. Take care.